Welcome to the Bold Lounge Podcast. My name is Lee Burgess, and I will be your host. If you're anything like me, you love hearing inspiring stories of people who have gone on bold journeys and made a positive impact in the world. This podcast is all about those kinds of stories. Every week, we'll hear from someone who has taken a leap or embarked on an extraordinary journey. In addition to hearing their stories, we'll also learn about their bold growth mindset that they use to make things happen. Whether they face challenges or doubts along the way, they persisted and ultimately achieved their goals. These impactful stories will leave you feeling motivated and inspired to pursue your own bold journey. I believe everyone has a bold story waiting to be freed. Tune in and get ready to be inspired. Welcome to the Bold Lounge. This morning I have Jessica Sibley. She is the CEO of Time. So happy to have you in the Bold Lounge. Welcome, Jess. Thank you so much, Leigh. It's so great to be here and to see you again. So excited to jump into your world of bold and wondered what your definition of bold is. Yeah, I've been thinking a lot about this in preparation for our conversation. And when you study the word bold and its definition, you see risk, risk taking, you see confidence, you think about being courageous. And those are all my definitions, I would say, of bold. Okay. Risk taking, courageous really kind of moving through it might even create some fear or just, you know, tells you you're getting out of your comfort zone. Yeah, I'd agree with that. So when was the first time based on your definition that you remember being bold? I would say every day, every day, I feel like there's a moment where I have to be bold, Mm -hmm. especially when I think about the last year, I'm coming up on a year as being the CEO of time. And every day I've had to have confidence. I've had to lead with being bold, being courageous, taking risks, facing, you know, resistance, facing issues that I need to address and solve. And also when I think about bold, I also think about exciting, you know, being bold and having that energy and that passion and that excitement. And I feel like every day there's something that I face in my career journey, especially over the last year, that's required to be bold and to lead with boldness. Yeah, for sure. So I love that you brought in the excitement part because we hear a lot about, I think, you know, the risk taking and the uncertainty and the discomfort of getting out of the comfort zone, which we talked about, but you're one of the rare people that I think have mentioned the excitement part about it, which I also think is important for people to realize is once you kind of step into it or just start getting at whatever it may be, you start to get excited. You see that you can create change. You can have impact. And you certainly have done that. And boy, has a year gone really fast in your role. So as you're coming into these roles and doing new things, where do you start? Like when you come, obviously you have lots of experience and expertise, but what would you do as you come into an organization like Time? And where do you begin when you're being bold? Yeah, I began before I started and I... I would say, number one, I've been doing this my whole career. So working at traditional or what you'd say legacy media companies that are in need of major change and transformation and innovation time, you know, now in its 100th year, we're been celebrating our centennial all year was very much like that. And it's legacy to relevancy, to revenue, to growth. And Mm -hmm. Being on that journey is is hard, but it's also exciting and it does require 
everyone to be bold and to think boldly. And when I say I, I started before I began, I studied the business. I was asked by Mark and Lynn Benioff, our co-owners and our co-chairs to take a look at what I would what I would do. Mm-hmm. And I was able to, again, a little bit of an outsider's look, create a vision and a strategy for time to set us on the journey that we've been on for the last year. And like any writer, like any person of thought, you know, you kind of look at your computer, it's blank. And I just started with, you know, time 3.0. And it's really become a rallying cry and it's really become a thing and and a movement both internally. And I've been very public about it and speaking about it externally in the press. And time 3.0 was seven pages version seven by the time I started with Mm -hmm. seven leading priorities and sort of midway through when I was talking to Mark Benioff, who's this super priority person, he said, are your priorities in priority order? So midway through, I looked and, and thought about the priorities that I had set forth on day one and realized they were the same priorities, just not in the right priority order, mm-hmm. reprioritize them. And now that I'm looking at completing a year, we've hit all of those seven priorities. And now I'm starting to create the vision for whether it's, you know, time 4.0 or kind of where we're headed next in our journey. I'm really proud of the work and the transformation that we've made and the change that we've made and the progress that we've made in the last year. Yeah. You made a lot of progress in a very short period of time. You know, from an outsider looking in, it looks like in the sense of bringing it into you know, the century that we're in, being on top of topics, being able to quickly pivot and kind of have the relevant things that are happening, you know, in our world that moves so fast in front of us. At least, again, these are some of the things that I've noticed. I know there's tons of things you notice. When you think about your priorities and what you've accomplished this year, are there any that come to the top that you think, wow, that was I'm so proud of that because it was a bold move or it was something that was unexpected or something that needed to be done that no one ever did. Yeah, I would say there there are several of those. And probably the the number one that I would talk about and share with you today is taking down the paywall. Mm -hmm. That was a really bold, courageous move. And it was certainly going against sort of the direction of the rest of the industry. And I wasn't sure how popular a decision it would be because all of the my peers and and media's now, you know, you you want to read an article and you you land on it and you have to pay for it. Yeah. So I was working, it was actually day two. I was in my office and I was introduced to the chairman and CEO of Verizon. They're in the same building as as ours. And he was sharing with me all the work that he's been doing around digital equity and digital inclusivity and the acceleration of sort of the digital divide that occurred through COVID. And of course, it's in his work as, you know, having 150 million customers as this chairman and CEO of Verizon, but more importantly, the work that he had been doing in the past several years with the World Economic Forum and the Edison Alliance to make a commitment to get a billion people access to affordable technology and reliable Wi-Fi by you know 2025 and the commitment around this and how important it is to get access 
to have the skill set and have it be affordable. And I joined him on this journey because I thought it was our mission and our purpose to allow anyone anywhere in the world to get access to time.com for free. And I took down the paywall. It was the right decision for our mission and our purpose. It wasn't just access to real-time information on time.com, but also the hundred years of archives. We are the most trusted brand, uh, not just in news, because we're really not a news-breaking brand, but in the world. And I had a chance to travel the world for time. And everyone has a time story. Everyone wanted to share their time story with me. And this brand, this business, our readers so highly value a hundred years of objective, rigorously reported, kind of straight in the middle information. And I thought it was really important for our brand and our business to make that accessible to everyone. And now as we're facing such a crisis of misinformation and disinformation and trying to understand, you know, what is, what is real, what is fact, what isn't come to time.com and you'll get it. You'll get all of what you, what you need. And we're really playing our role in that. Also, you know, the movement to protect consumers with the FTC, with, you know, the, the quick click to, to buy and call to cancel easy to buy something you don't realize the charges that you're getting over time and you try to call and cancel and you can't really get anyone on the phone. This isn't just a a media issue, meaning a publisher issue, but it's pretty wide ranging and it's just the right, it was the right decision for our business, our brand, our journalism. And I'm really proud of that decision, but it was a bold one. Yeah, for sure. So making sure that Everyone has access to information that is accurate and timely and not skewed and being able to to do that with not just three free articles and then you have to pay. So I think those are definitely bold moves, particularly in the industry that you're in. So when you think about where you started last year to now, what are some of your learnings about you in your role? Specifically, kind of like, I didn't realize I would, or it, it's hard to believe we've been able to, or anything like that that comes to mind for you. And if you look back on the last year, what has been memorable? Yeah, it's been the most exciting, but also most challenging year in my career. And I've learned so much. The responsibility of being a CEO and so many of the the issues that we face, that we we have employees and journalists in dangerous locations around the world. Safety, security, and protection are number one. Being in the sort of in the role of changing people's minds and changing people's lives is really, really important to what we're doing at time. And and sticking to our core and our mission and making sure that we cement the future of time for the next 100 years. And so much of that is what we've done to continue to make the brand relevant and contemporary to diversify and transform our business so that we're a sustainable, profitable business on the path to growth. And most importantly, and what I'm really proud of is partnering with Sam Jacobs, our editor-in-chief. I named Sam editor in April. He's the youngest editor in our 100-year history history, 37, first millennial. 
to lead Time and its newsroom while he's the youngest. He's been at Time for 10 years. He's very well respected and I'm really proud of the coverage and his his leadership. We want to make sure we continue to reach young audiences, diverse audiences around the world and 45% of our readership is 35 and younger. And I think that's really important. We launched Time 100 Voices during the United General Assembly Week, Climate Week in New York City, where we have the most influential thought leaders writing exclusively for Time. We launched with Oprah Winfrey, Jose Andres, Melinda Gates, Angelina Jolie, Ariana Huffington. We recently had Lindsey Vaughn, the head of the ADL, and many, many others that are experts in specific topic areas that are contributing their IP and that thought leadership to the time. A lot of action and a lot of influential individuals who I think have had and will continue to have an impact uh, on the world that we live in. One of the things you touched on there was creating the team. There was a team obviously there in place and doing a great job, but you've been building your team. And this is probably something that the listeners too could could learn from. When you come into a new organization, although doing your homework and being prepared and kind of getting things set, it's hard. You can't do it all by yourself. And one of the things in being bold is understanding that you can't do it by yourself and that you have others helping you. What are some of the key things you've done to build the team or to, you know, really elevate or support the team that you have at time? I'm a first time CEO. I'm a new CEO at a new company. When I think about being bold, I also think about mentorship and what is mentoring. One of the things I would say when I look back at my career path is I've had mentors who haven't mentored me along the way, but they gave me a chance. They gave me the first you know, to be the the youngest first female global publisher of Bloomberg Business Week. And I feel like I've had that opportunity also with Mark and Lynn Benioff. And I'm super, was super CEO ready and super prepared. And this role really mapped to my strengths and the success that I've had over a long career. And I've given a lot of firsts also to leaders. So it's a mix of external hires and internal uh, elevations. So I named first ever chief communications officer. She was super ready, somebody who'd been with time and and timing for many years. I brought in uh, a chief marketing officer, first time chief marketing officer, first time chief revenue officer, first time chief operating officer. I have a very seasoned CHRO and chief legal officer. So it's really a balance of talent and skill set. And the team has really come together to move time forward. And I'm really excited about the team that we have in place. Yeah. As you think about getting the team into place and kind of moving from 23 into 24, what, what are some of the key topics or key areas that you're looking into or thinking about are going to be some of the things that are going to be the most important thing for us to be aware of or informed about? As a commercial CEO, I'm really excited to spend as much time as I can with our customers. We have incredible relationships with CEOs and chief marketing officers at global blue chip household name 
companies and we are in ongoing conversations with our customers continuously. So we help grow their businesses and solve what they're looking to achieve. And that's really important. It's really important to understand your business models, to diversify them, to find areas of opportunity and growth. And you can't do that if you're not in the market with your customers uh, on an ongoing and regular basis. So really growing the relationships, really nurturing them, taking the time um, is very, very important as we kind of come in and end this year and then begin next year. Yeah. And then, you know, we're really focused on some key topic areas that are so important right now, healthcare, AI, and all the conversations around AI, climate. So we're going to continue to do what we do. And we're really going for high value, high impact. Mm-hmm. We want to, you know, we we really want to make an impact, whatever we do, wherever we go. And part of that is, you know, continuing to grow what we've planted this year. Okay, excellent. You mentioned AI, and I wanted to touch on that just briefly. What are you seeing as the key, you know, trends or areas of impact within journalism for AI? Well, I'm really proud of our AI coverage as a business, as as a brand, we want to be the leaders in covering AI from every aspect. And we're, we've already started to do that. We have five of the most well-known respected editors focused on AI at time. We launched our first ever AI 100. We identified the most important influential individuals in AI globally today And I'm really proud of the work that the team did spending five months working and getting submissions and talking to experts and thought leaders uh, widely defined to create this first ever list that we launched at Dreamforce, which was the largest AI conference in the world, three days, one topic, AI. When the team came to me, they said, this is really exciting. We've identified 25 to 30 women leaders in AI. And I thought to myself, well, Time 100, that's our biggest platform. We have Time 100, we have Time 100 next. So 25, 30% of 100, that's high, especially if it's a sort of a, a look at inside technology. And we started with women and where we netted out was the AI 100 list. 50% are people of color, 40% women. And we didn't just name those that are icons in AI, like Elon Musk and Sam Altman and Reid Hoffman, but we have those that are focused on regulation, uh, those that are doing science. We have activists that are focused on the ethics. We have those that are focused on the, the promise and the progress, but also the perils and the dangers. We have a woman who's leading the efforts and an and activist. She's 18 on the list. And then we have Jeffrey Hinton. He was just on 60 Minutes as 76-year-old who left his position at Google to, again, focus on uh, using AI responsibly. So I'm really proud of the deep reporting that we've been doing in AI. 
Yeah. So AI is very bold. And I think when people talk about it or want to learn more about it, I do think the coverage that you had is, has been very helpful for people to understand kind of the ins and outs. And also, I think, understanding the risk and reward of using it. And I think key thing for people to understand is just educate yourself, keep reading, keep learning, keep trying and learn more as we progress through it. One of the things as we close out is coming into the role that you're in, being a CEO of Time, being a female leader in publishing. Did you set out to do that? Or when you said, this is what I want to be, was this on the trajectory? Yeah. I think when I look back at at my own personal story, I always wanted to be in an office and I had ambition to be a CEO. It was largely to not be rich or famous, but to just be self-sustainable and be able to pay my bills Mm -hmm. quite honestly. And looking back, my mother tells me, you know, all the kids, you know, wanted to play teacher and you wanted to play office and no one really knew what you're talking about. So I think all along, I looked at CEOs and I looked at leaders, especially female leaders as my heroes and my celebrities. And I always aspired to have a great career. And I've had a lot of support along the way from, from my family. And I never looked at myself as a, as a female CEO or a female leader. I spent much of my career working alongside and with mainly or only men many years, you know, companies like the wall street journal, Dow Jones and Bloomberg. And I always felt, wow, this is amazing that I have a seat at this table. And I always felt really proud and special. And I'm really proud of the work that I've done. We just looked at some statistics and our female leadership. So director level and above at time over the last year has grown from mid forties to 60%. So 60% of leaders at time are female. Excellent. So if you had to give someone advice on their bold move, they're thinking about whether it's a new role or starting something new, or maybe even rethinking what they want to do, you know, kind of moving forward, what would be your guidance or advice to someone who's thinking about being bold? You're going to have success. You're also going to have setbacks. And boy, have I had many. So it's not a hockey stick and I wouldn't change it. And I've learned more from my setbacks than anything else. And the comebacks feel that much greater when you've had those setbacks. I've learned once you kind of overcome them and and get through those, those challenges, you learn more from them and you lose fear and maybe you get more confident and courageous because if you've been through some setbacks, you can get through anything. And I think that's propelled me on my journey to get to where I am today. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for being on the Bold Lounge. All the information about Jess is in the episode notes. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you so much, Jess. Thank you so much. Great to see you. Thank you for listening to the Bold Lounge podcast. Through the continuum of bold stories, vulnerability to taking a leap, you will meet more extraordinary people making a positive impact for others through their unique and important story. By highlighting these stories, we hope to inspire others and share the journey of those with a bold mindset. We hope you've enjoyed this podcast and look forward to sharing the next bold journey with you.